Welcome to this To Tell Us Die podcast. My name is Jenny Donnelly. I'm so glad we're together again. We are on a still journey and we've been talking about for the last few weeks, the seven ways to find calm in the chaos. And last episode, if you are with us, you were able to journey through one of the most fabulous scriptures, fabulous books in the Bible, and that was Isaiah. And we talked about putting on the garment of praise in exchange for the spirit of despair. And today I have the pleasure of introducing you to one of my very, very best friends. Anne and Dusty Hammock are just incredible leaders, incredible people. And we're going to catch Anne on a future episode, but today I have Dusty with us. And Dusty and I have been talking about this concept of praise and the reality of how the Lord has put worship and praise in front of us to bring us out of very hard places. Specifically today, Dusty, I want to talk to you about living in dysfunction. I want to narrow down our conversation about praise and how can we, how can we exchange despair, especially when it's somebody that we are married to, maybe children, but we are in a household where there is much despair, much dysfunction, and we are sitting here going, is there rest for me? Is there rest for my household? And how am I going to find myself in rest when I am in so much dysfunction right now. So I just want you to start off by sharing a little bit of your story, a little bit of how you had to find your way through this type of um, travailing through despair in a dysfunctional home. Well, it's, uh, again, Jenny, thank you for your words. And it's my joy to be a part of speaking uh, to your audience and those that are listening. And so I think probably to understand my story, you have to do some backdrop. You have to go back and understand that, yeah, praise is, is something that we know is a part of the Christian walk. But sometimes the context of that praise really makes praise feel differently. Um and my incredible wife today um, is also obviously a blessing the Lord sent into my life. Uh, but we've been married 25 years, but nearly 30 years ago, um, there was a, just a tragic uh, moment where a lot of things came to a head. They came to a moment and, and tragedy. And I went through a divorce. It just, it is what it is. I, I went through a divorce. I was pastoring a church. Um, I was served my divorce papers there at the church. And there's a lot of things that was going on in that time period um, that, you know, you didn't talk about it. Because to be fair with you, one of the things that I want to talk about today is that there is a shame associated with going through a dysfunction where you have dysfunction in your home, whether you may have someone in your home, maybe a spouse, maybe a child, and they're rebelling or there's been infidelity or even sometimes there's, there's mental health issues and deep spiritual issues going on in the home and you don't tell anybody because you don't want to look like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm that person. I'm that family. I'm, I'm, I'm going through this trouble. And there's sometimes even though you feel like it's your fault, you know, it's my fault that I'm going through this. So what happened those many years ago is um, I was living with my wife at that time who uh, had a lot of problems. Um, I didn't tell anybody. Uh, Or let me put it this way. I didn't tell, but a very, very small group of people that I even told that to that I felt like would not judge me nor would put some tag on me that I wouldn't have to wear the quote unquote scarlet letter of my problems as a pastor. Um, And so going through that, um, 
I didn't tell anybody that my wife was really having some serious, serious mental issues. Uh, she was in uh, a mental hospital uh, there in the town that we lived in. And uh, like in and out of the hospital or several times or several one time times, or okay. several times over a year, she'd been in and out of uh, psychiatric units. Um, and my problem was that I, I didn't understand her dysfunction. There was n- right. no way I could even, I didn't even make sense out of it. Now, how long were you married before you knew that there was signs of dysfunction? Was it right off the bat? Was it deep into your marriage or what, what was the discovery? Well, I knew that there were some things that were not right very early in our relationship. Um, in fact, even during the dating relationship, uh, I knew that there were some things that were just not right. However, this is an, another sidebar, um, is that the church gave me advice. My leadership okay. inside the church where I was a young person, I was a young kid. Yeah, I was, uh, you know, uh, 18, 19 years old. And my leadership there gave me advice. Listen, I think you could help this girl. You, I know she has problems, but I think you really could help her. Oh, wow. And so I felt this uh, deep desire to not only please my leadership, but to not look like I was a bad Christian because I didn't want to help this person and pursued a relationship that okay. uh, ended up you know, many years later, being in a divorce and a lot of wound wounds in children and in the domino effect that a divorce brings. But even though, the, I guess the biggest thing was uh, her very serious mental, Ill, mental, mental illnesses that were going on in that, and I didn't feel comfortable telling anyone. Right. Because I'm, I'm I'm trying to lead others, and I've got a lot of problems at home. Yeah, and you feel stuck. You feel trapped as a leader. There's a lot of pressure going on right here. And I would say, too, how many ever years ago this was? So you said 30 years mm-hmm. ago. You know, that's quite a while ago. And I know the church is making a great shift in transparency. We're making a shift in, um, hey, this is what's going on, even though I'm a leader. And I think we're, there's still a lot of work to do in this area, but I know 30 years ago, it wasn't like, Hey, you know, here's what's going on with me as the pastor. And so, um, I have a lot of compassion for where you are at. And I know there's a lot of people that can identify with this. So tell us what happened. What, what was the point, the breaking point where you just reached out? What, or what, how did you get through those times in, when you were in the marriage, what, what did the Lord bring you to a place that you could find some peace and find some hope and find some rest. And, um, you know, just walk us through that. Okay. I think the, the first thing was that, that Holy Spirit and the small community of people around me, I began to gain confidence that no matter what my future held, even if I didn't pastor again, okay. even if it w- w- would come to that, um, I could not continue to just hide this in my home. There had to be an intervention. Okay. And so there was a moment of, of confrontation of her behavior and her activity. And there was this intervention. You're going to get help because there was this lack of a desire to get long-term help. Uh, and, I, and I don't even know what was going on inside of her, her mind. I couldn't imagine what that was like, but she just did not want to get long-term help. 
And there was an intervention. There was a moment in which I said, you will get long-term health. That's the only way we can continue going forward because what's going on in your mind and in your behavior is so dysfunctional and it is so destructive to our household. I can't go another day. So that moment of intervention, it was the courage to stand and go, you know what? No matter what happens in the future, no matter what, what's going on in this home cannot go another day. And so I said, you cannot come home until you get help. You have to get long-term help. And that's when she said, well, then I will divorce you. And I said, that's not what I want, but this is the moment of we're not going another day without long-term help. And I think that that is a big issue with people who live with someone maybe with alcoholism or drug addiction or even over here on this other other lane, which is maybe mental health. And that is that sometimes people feel like, am I doing the right thing? I feel so guilty for confronting like this and giving ultimatums. Is that really the love of Christ? And sometimes that tough love is actually the moment in which someone else, the dysfunction in the home, because me allowing it, and and, in fact, there should have been confrontation a long time before there was. There should have been this this moment of, we're not going to go another day until you get some help, should have happened years before. Mm-hmm. And but my fear of the consequence of what would happen to my family and my children and ministry and so many things, the fear of that is that I kept trying to to, to say, okay, well maybe next year will be a better year. Maybe maybe next year will be a better year. If I just love the way Jesus loved, the next year will be a better year. And never feeling as though that Christ's love sometimes is very confrontive, and sometimes it's going to stand very firm with an intervention. And when that happened, she decided that it was better to end the marriage than to get help. And that was, that was a tragedy because then I had to live with, uh, what happened after that, which was another set of, of events that were tragic dealing with children. It basically, after it all panned out, I ended up getting custody of the children. So I'm trying to raise uh, my three kids and as a single dad and just trying to make all that work. Wow. uh, working a, a nighttime job so I could be with them, you know, in the daytime. And it was, it was just the, and many of those who are listening, who, oh, they know what I'm talking about. If you've ever been through a divorce and you know what that's like, you've been a single parent, whether a single dad or a single mom, you know the emotional weight and responsibility that comes with that and the shame and the guilt and the, what people are thinking and, and feeling as though people are talking about you and looking at you differently. And you, and you as a leader may feel like people even look at your leadership differently and that you're a failure and all of that weight with the finances that come with that the lack of finances yeah. that come with that and so the intense. debt that comes with that and the children and their own emotional condition through that. There's so much pressure in that moment. There is only one way to okay. survive it. So we're going to come and circle back to that one way <laughs> here in a minute. <laughs> okay. But what I want to do is I want to backtrack because what I just heard from you was one of the greatest principles of rest that I'm, I'm aware of that God walked me through. And that was to understand who I am in Christ is to also understand my authority is to also understand kingdom and to live within the laws of peace that my father has died to give me. And so when you said, this is not going to keep going, we're going to, we're going to get help. This is what we have to do. What I, what I sense 
is royalty and I sense love and I sense authority because Christ has given as you as the man, the head of the household to rise up to the standard of the kingdom, which is to function in love and to function in health and to function in wholeness. And so if anybody right now is in this spot where you just, you know, want to put your head in the sand or you just want to think it'll get better or I can fix it. I'm going to ask you to go to the Holy Spirit and ask him for the authority that comes with your full identity in Christ. And I believe that he's going to give you the courage to love at the stand, at the, at the standard of the King. And that's what I sense. I sense authority that comes with a cloak of, of love. That that's what I sense. Now, I also had a flashback of, and it's, it's in my book, but when I had outbursts early in my marriage and had outbursts, and it was when I did not realize that the wounding from a lack of a father was being expressed in my marriage. And I would find myself being mean to Bob, just these, you know, and thinking, what am I doing this for? He's the nicest guy in the world. But these outbursts that were happening and the day that Bob said, I'm not your dad, I'm not your punching bag, and this is going to stop. I'm telling you, there was a relief that came over me and I thought, thank you for taking control because I feel out of control. I, I am out of control. Now for me, that authority put a, put a fear of the Lord on me that kept me and it helped me get on a path of healing and restoration. And so if Bob would have just kept letting me just have outbursts and I don't know where I'd be today. I wouldn't be on this podcast. I can tell you right now, I would not be living out the life I have right now because I had such deep woundings, but my husband came in to cover me by not letting me, by not letting me be be manipulative and these types of things. So um, I just want to just give you, I don't know if it's validation or just applause. I don't know what you want to call it, but just that is an amazing act of courage. And I hope that people pick up on that. So now let's fast forward to what you did. What were the practical things that you did? Because you shared this with me earlier and it just inspired me personally. So I want you to share what were the things that the Holy Spirit had you do in those times so that you didn't get sucked in to the chaos? Mm-hmm. I think probably the first thing was that that issue of authority, but it, come, it came for me with a level of confidence that I could stand uh, and say no more. Um, and, and I just want to say to those who are listening, sometimes you feel like that when you stand up and say no more, that may mean you don't love someone anymore, or maybe you've, it's because you, you've lost love. But I want to say to you is that, is that really and truly it's about because you do love. I mean, it would not be accurate to say I didn't love my ex-wife. That would not be accurate. Because I did. However, one of the greatest expressions of love is to say no, n- not another day. That's right. And so I want to encourage the listeners today. You may be at that place where you're like, well, I, I, I love this person. I love them. And I want to let my love be an example to Christ. Uh, sometimes there, there just comes a moment when the best expression of love you can have is to say no more. Uh, 
Uh, we're going to get long-term help. We're going to really take this serious. Our relationship is serious. And you don't have to live in that dysfunction without just standing up and saying, no, I know who I am in Christ. I have confidence in who Jesus has made me, and I'm going to step forward and make a decision no more. So I think maybe the first decision is to know who you are in Christ, as you said, and stand in that authority and know that the greatest love you can have for someone is to just say, no, not anymore. I think then the next step for me was when it all came down and I knew um, I am a single dad and I'm raising my three kids and ministry is not the same anymore. I eventually resigned uh, the church because I didn't feel like it was fair to put a church through the the, the ugliness of of divorce, and I didn't I didn't feel like that was that was fair. Um, but in in that, I had to find a place where the storm I could just get my brain to stop. I, where I could just because there's a thousand thousands of thoughts, and this you're is just so important. You're going over this. I want you to drill this. <laughs> I want you to tear this up because this you is so had, good. You had to find a place because it didn't stop the storm of responsibility. The storm. Of, all around, finances, kids, getting them to school, taking care of them, helping them through the emotions of it, trying to deal with attorneys. I mean, it was just a, a storm. And then you're like, okay, where do I find a moment? Because <laughs> you have your book, Rest. Where do, you, where do you find this peace? And what I did was is that um, I had a walk-in closet and, you know, after She's taking all her stuff out. I have this incredible. I have have a room now (laughs) because, you know, all that's left is my little stuff there. And so um, I got in there and I laid on the floor, closed the door. And that really the prayer closet, my closet became my place of rest. And it was in the presence of the Lord where I began to just say, Lord, I don't understand what you're doing. I have no clue what you're doing. In fact, I even told him sometimes, I think, you know what? I think I could do a better job than what you're doing because this is really a pain, you know? And, yes. and, I, and of course I repented to him and I said, Lord, I'm sorry, but you know how I'm feeling. I'm feeling so alone. It sounds like a psalm. <laughs> it did. Um, well, that's what happened. I, I felt like the Holy Spirit was giving me direction that my counsel would be from the small group of people that I knew loved me. And they gave me encouragement every day that Jesus was with me. And I thank God for that. And my family, my mom and my dad, who without them, I don't know what I, I would have not. I don't know what I'd done. I, I would have survived because Jesus is bigger. But uh, I don't know what I would have done in that moment without my, my mom and my dad, my family, and a few other friends that just stood with me through that. But I know that my own mental health, my own spiritual and mental health came from going into that closet and I rewrote the Psalms. I started with Psalm 1 and I wrote it as if it was a personal letter to me as Jesus was talking to me. Holy Spirit was talking to me out of that Psalm. And every Psalm became a personal letter of love to me that, hey, I got you, son. I got you, son. But the very first Psalm says that we'll find that strength in God's word. And I would jump into God's word and I would read God's word and I would meditate on God's word. And then I would praise him. I had this little, uh, 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 back then it was boom box, you know, and a little cassette tape, you know, (laughs) but it was my worship music. And, um, just worshiped and I worshiped the Lord. And I, I found myself discovering a depth of worship, a depth of praise and a depth of appreciation for him 
not necessarily was I saying, oh, I thank you, Lord, for this divorce. I thank you, Lord. No, I wasn't thanking him for it. I was thanking him for being my source of rest in the middle of it. And I worshiped him and rewrote the Psalms. And the Psalms are special to me where, I mean, Psalm 103, praise the Lord, oh, my soul. Listen to this, all my inmost being. So when I started thinking about how deep was my pain, my pain was very, very deep. So I had to go to the deepest part of my pain, as deep as I could go. And, and then if someone else, a friend of mine counseled me and I discovered another set of pain, that's inmost. That's your down in the depths of your soul. So you have to apply praise in the depth, the mm. very deepest part of your pain. You go way down in there and start applying the ointment of praise. And that's very unnatural Oh, because no. the second you come at my skinned knee that just got opened up because I fell down and skinned my knee. The second you come at it with your finger, I'm jerking back. Yes. Right. So this is an unnatural motion for us to say, open up, go to the pain, go to the pain. So, but you knew that, that, the, that the healer, it took the healer to touch that pain to be healed. I think what I knew was, this is what I know. But I, I would want to say I was so healthy spiritually, that's what I thought. But I'm not going to tell you that's what I thought right then, okay? <laughs> I was suffocating. I, I was, I was my spirit man, my, my mind, my soul, and even my body. I felt some days the pain was so great. I was literally suffocating. I, I was having just a hard time breathing wow. because it was so painful. And the word of God and worship, it became oxygen. I didn't even know it was helping. All I knew is I could breathe inside of the word of God and inside of praise. I was beginning to get oxygen. I could feel like I'm I'm at least getting enough to survive today. So what I'm hearing is this wasn't like, oh, I guess I'll just carve this out and this will be my quote unquote religious quiet time and I'll just kind of fit this in my day. This was you crawling to the closet in desperation. I would say in the middle of the night when you're a single dad with three kids and you work night shift with a job, you're, you're not looking at your little calendar and how you're going to fit Jesus in. You are, you are going for life because you feel like you're hanging on death. Uh, And and not only feel like it, that's exactly where I was because you have some really crazy thoughts in those days. You're thinking a lot of stuff. And, and those of you who are listening, you, you've been through what I'm talking about. You know your mind is going in lots of ways that some days you're not even proud of where your mind goes. And I want to help release you from the shame and the guilt of where your mind's going is because remember Jesus was tempted in every way, which means he had the thoughts you are, you're having right now. Jesus had those thoughts. And to have the thought is not the tragedy of all. It is the fact that Christ will step into your thoughts through the this 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 motion. And I say motion of praise because it's not an emotion of praise. Your your emotions are damaged and hurt and broken, and you're not going to just immediately feel like praising. But it's the motion of praise until your emotions catch up with it. And they will eventually catch up with your motion of praise. And you begin to speak what you know to be true, that he is a good God. And I'll tell you, Jenny, that was the turning point for my entire life. Wow. Is I recognize that God is a good God. And we live in a broken world. And uh, even though my ex-wife made choices 
The joy of that is that the freedom he gave her to make choices, even if they were bad, was the same freedom he gave me to make the right choice. So I I had to begin thanking him for the ability to make the right choices. Even though others may choose to make bad choices, I know he gave me that freedom and I was going to choose to worship him in the midst of the darkest days because his benefit to my life was his presence in that closet on the floor. That's right. His presence became the, the, the healing medicine to my soul was his presence. This morning I was reading in Exodus and I was actually reading it for another episode you and I are going to record together, but I'm thinking about this and Exodus 33 when Moses is talking to the Lord and he's basically saying, I'm not going without your presence. I'm not going without your presence. I think about that. I don't want to do anything without his presence. Once you have his presence, I don't want to do church without it. I don't want to do a podcast without it. I don't want to parent my children without it. I don't want to exist without the presence. And so really praise is about opening the door to the presence. It is. And the scriptures tell us that we enter his gates, gates symbolic of uh, we, we pass through the gates into the presence of the king and, and that is that we enter into his gates with thanksgiving. We enter into his courts, which now courts is now even closer. The, the, even the closest place of intimacy with the king is in his courts. We enter into his courts with praise. And so it's our choice to enter into the courts of the king of kings and the Lord of lords with the praise. Even though circumstances may not look like I have any reason to praise, that's why you praise. It's because you're not praising him for the circumstances. that Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. You're going to have it. There's no question. You're going to have it. But he says, thanks be to the Lord our God. He has overcome it. And so I found it. Now, I'm not saying I found it in a day. I didn't find it in a, in, in a moment. It was the consistent in my closet, on my face worship. What I'm hearing is that you found oxygen for the moment, for the day. Not for six months. No. Nope. N- n- I found it that day. And I didn't know what was going to happen tomorrow. I was suffocating right now. You don't need to worry about tomorrow when you're in that condition. And we don't need to be worrying about tomorrow anyway. That's what the word says. Amen. And that we have, you know, tomorrow will take care of itself. Thank God. And the Bible also says, not only will we have trouble, we'll have sorrow. And so I think in this moment, we can stop and say, okay, that's reality. There is trouble and there is sorrow. And Jesus said, take heart because I've overcome the world. I've overcome the world. And Dusty, as I look at your life and anybody that knows you, you pretty much look like you hit the jackpot (laughs) (laughs) with your wife. Well, I did hit the, I I did get blessed with that now. Your children children are incredible. Every one of them are incredible. What they've been through. There is no doubt that God came through for you. There's no doubt in all the sorrow and all the pain. I believe that God didn't waste any of it for the fruit and the benefit of himself being glorified. Right. Mm -hmm. And every one of your children are in a different process, obviously, but God's hand is on every single one of you. And you know, when you're in that closet and you're just, you know, wouldn't it be great if, if the Lord said, okay, Dusty, here's the deal. I have this other lady for you. She is on fire for me. She is going to change the world. Man, you're going to have so much fun with her. She said, but he doesn't because he doesn't want us to find any false um, love. 
in a circumstance. He wants us to find him. And what he wants us to know is I'm good. You're looking for me. I am your energy. I am your source. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's like, man, he could have just told me this was all going to work out, you know, but he did tell us it was all going to work out. He said, take heart. I've overcome the world. Find rest in me. I am a good God. And so then we look back and we go, wow, you really, you, you really are a good God. Now I do have one last question for you mm-hmm. because I really want to make sure that we address this. You said you had a community of people who you couldn't have survived with this, this without is what I heard That's right. from you. That's correct. Did you have anybody that was accusing you or um, blaming, you know, trying to say, well, you know, what did you do wrong here? You're, you know, you're the guy that needs to put your nose in the corner. I mean, were, were there voices that were against you? Yeah. Uh, imagine this, Jenny, if you throw a pebble into the water and then there's this rings that come out from that in the water, these, these waves, there was this small, the smallest little circle is where the, where the stone hit. And there was a group of people, a small, small group of people. I could count them on one hand that stood right there and said, I believe in you. Uh, God's going to restore. God's going to rescue. God's going to be your source. In fact, one of those people, uh, and again, my family, I say they were just incredible. My family was right there with me, standing beside me. There was one pastor, and uh, he is, his name's Frankie Powell. And I remember that when I was going through one of those moments, my darkest day, Frankie called, and he said, Brother, I believe in you. I love you. I'm praying for you. And what's amazing about that is that um, I got a text from Frankie yesterday. I get a I get a text from Frankie about once a month. And for all these years, this man has stood right there, solid, prayed for me, loved me, never let me go. And and I just want to encourage those. There there is a there is probably one or two people that is in your life right now that they are encouragers. And they're, they're going to be right there with you. And sometimes their encouragement is to tell you, no, you're not going to think those thoughts. And no, you're not going to do that. You're going to be still. You're going to be very, very still. And, and even when you want to act crazy, you just want to, you just feel like you're about to go lose your mind and you may even act crazy. Yeah. And then there's going to be people to say, you know, uh, you're not going anywhere acting like that. You're not going anywhere making those kind of, uh, using those kind of words. You're not going, and you need someone in your life like that. But that small community of people became really that, if you want to find it, the eye in the storm. They became that place where I could go. It was in my prayer closet. And when that community of people, that small community where I found rest, while the storm was raging, it gave me the moments of rest and peace in my mind, in my, in my, in my heart, where I know I could go. I could always go to my prayer closet and to my community of encouragers. That's amazing. I'm thinking about how, just having these flashbacks, you reminded me, about how the times of me travailing through renewing my mind because I knew that Jenny was on a journey. I knew that I was on a journey of healing rather than reacting out of my wounds. And it was a very, very intentional season. When I say season, I say, I mean years. And I remember the Lord for a while gave me some things like Creflo Dollar, 5 a.m., I remember waking up, watching, glued to the TV. And then here came a gal out of my church, Christine Baker. She wasn't the head pastor, 
head pastor didn't, you know, no, didn't know me. Um, but she came out of the crowd of that church. She was on staff at the church, but she zeroed in on me, pulled me into her small group and helped me. But God brought me TV programs. He, you know, now we have podcasts. We have so much, you know, a lot of my mentors don't even know I exist because God put people in front mm-hmm. of me to teach me. One of the things that I, I do want the listeners to know is that your lead pastor may not be the one that's assigned to you, might not be your Frankie, and oftentimes isn't. Somebody in the community, maybe somebody who lives 2,000 miles away, who is going to speak into your life, is, and, and those are God-ordained connections. Those are not ones that we you know, sign up on a clipboard under somebody's connection, but God will do it if we're open to God's choice of the, of that person and not the one we want, mm-hmm. you know, cause sometimes we, we want a certain person, you know, that person is in a greater position of authority. So that's the one I want, you know, and I would just say, just stop and say, Lord, who's my Frankie? Will you bring that person? And just surprise me. I'll, I'll go with the person you bring me instead of me thinking I have to pick them out. So I know that people struggle with that a little bit, finding the person um, who's going to speak life into them. And then let us be a Frankie. You know, when we've come through something, God will say, you know, you've been, you've been given much. So let's give out. Let's give much. And I want to say to those listening today, let, let to tell us style, let these podcasts become a part of your daily routine. And don't think that listening to them once is enough because a lot of times when you listen to it the first time, Holy Spirit will bring something out for that moment. You'll listen to it the second time and then you'll, oh, I didn't hear that. And then Holy Spirit will bring something else out. And we want to be a part of walking alongside you and being that voice in your life that you will get on the other side of this. And you may be one of those that are, uh, you think that divorce is the only option. And I want to say to you, it may not be the only option, but if it happens, uh, it's not the end of the world, and it won't be easy, and it will be very difficult. I will not uh, give you any uh, false hope of the difficulty of that, those days, but you will navigate with the power of the Holy Spirit those rough waters, and with God's Word, a quiet place, and a community of believers, you will uh, be restored by the hand of God. Wow. I, I've loved this episode so much. I can just see people playing this over and over and over again to give them direction, to give them hope and to give them a breath in their situation. And I know that I've personally been inspired by this. Thank you so very much. Dusty, you wrote an incredible book with a very appropriate title (laughs) called Dream Again, because life can knock the wind out of you. Yes, it can. I don't know if there's anybody listening that can't nod their head at that right now. And there's some, some bigger blows than others. It's happened to you. It's happened to me. And this book is so practical and it is also full of inspiration and hope and direction. Tell the listeners how they can get a hold of this book. Um, you can uh, go to dreamagainbook.com. Uh, that's one place. You can also um, go to, to the Tetelestai 
website, and it, it is also available there. Um, but you're able to to really get something. And I tell a lot of the stories that I've told today. I tell them some of those stories in the book to give people practical ways uh, to actually begin dreaming again when you think that there is no hope and that there is no reason to dream again. And that fact that God has put inside of every single one of us a dream that will take us all the way to our destiny if we would just discover it. And that's why I wrote the book is because um, I didn't write the book for the purpose of some um, self-help uh, kind of, even though there's nothing wrong with that, I didn't write it for that. I actually, Jenny, wrote the book for my children. I wanted my kids to have a legacy that if they want to know who is Dusty Hammock and what would my dad say to me for years and years and years and my grandkids and great grandkids, what would, what would Paul Paul say? <laughs> you know, what would granddaddy say? What would my dad counsel us? If you read that book, that is why I wrote it. So people would always know this is how you go through life's most difficult days and get on the other side with a smile on your face, joy in your heart, and the ability to help others do the same thing. That's wonderful. The image I'm seeing right now in my mind is as people are going through this book and even the course, because Mm -hmm. if I I love hearing Dusty teach, I love his stories. I love the impartation he gives just so much anointing. And there is a course, there's eight sessions. You can find that on the Tetelestai website, which the easiest way to get there is john1930.com. That's J-O-H-N 1930.com. If you go there, there is a course called Dream Again. Make sure you go to the dreamagainbook.com. Dreamagainbook.com. Grab the book as well. Go through this course and get your dreams soaring again. What I'm seeing are wings. That's the image I'm seeing. I keep seeing wings. When people read the book and they go through the course, it's like you got wings on your back. Okay. Now there's liftoff. You know, now I'm, now I'm feeling hope and inspiration. I'm feeling lifted again. And I don't know anybody that doesn't want that. So thank you so much for joining us today. You can visit john at 1930.com. Check out our memberships as well, because you can access our courses a la carte and pay for them individually, which is awesome. But if you want to save quite a bit of money and go through multiple courses, check out the membership option per month and some other partnerships that we have available on there as well. We're so glad you're here. Thank you for subscribing to this podcast. You don't want to miss these when they, these come out. So make sure, make sure you subscribe. Also subscribing to our email list because we are giving you content that we believe will change your life. We love you so much and we'll see you next time.